Welcome to the Big Red Bench this evening with me, Valerie Wheeler. We do have a very special show tonight, as we remember Cork legend Eamon Ryan. We did receive the sad news on Thursday that Eamon Ryan had passed away at the age of 79. Eamon did steer Cork ladies footballers to 10 All-Irelands in 11 years, including their first ever Brendan Martin success in 2005. Cork also won nine National League titles and the impact of Eamon Ryan's death has been felt across the county and country from all ages and all codes. He himself played football for Cork. He also managed the Cork senior men's footballers. He earned two All-Ireland minor football titles for Cork and managed Napiertig to senior county titles. After being with the Cork Ladies Footballers, he did join the Men's Senior Football Panel as a selector. And in the 2020 season, he was a mentor for the Limerick Ladies, who were then All-Ireland Junior Champions. And of course, he was heavily involved with UCC, Glenville and Watergrass Hill. He was a true gent, a real master of the game, a husband, a father and a friend to many. So tonight on the bench, we will do our best to remember Eamon and my deepest sympathies are with his family and friends, the LGFA and the GAA community. Firstly, on the Big Red Bench tonight, this is a lovely, lovely interview for Eamon and I came across it during the week. It is it is Eamon Ryan chatting to Jerome Quinn. This was done in 2014 ahead of the TG Car All-Ireland Final and it just shows the type of character and person that Eamon Ryan, Eamon Ryan was. So let's take a listen. Eamon Ryan, can I take you back? What's your background and when did you get into ladies football? Do you remember like the first game you saw and thinking, I could follow that sport? Well, I've been involved, I suppose I started off in a village where it was exclusively hurling. And hurling would really be the game I prefer. And then I went to school in West Cork where it was all football and no hurling. So I kind of started playing football. I would have hoped to play hurling in Cork but didn't. Um, I mean, I've been involved with ladies since very early in my time because I was a primary school teacher we had girls playing camogie and we would have girls football in the um, late 80s, 90s but from the point of view of ladies seniors that happened almost by accident like you know, just somebody asked me to know what I'd give a hand for a few weeks Did you have any doubts? Did you think about it first? Well it was very it was October, November so I wasn't doing a whole pile else so I mean, I just loved me out in the field. Like it could have been an under-14 boys team. It was just a, when she rang. I, I think I'd been in hospital and I was at a loose end, and uh, I just said, "Why not?" Like you know, that was all. There was no great thought went into it on either side. I say. <laughs> and what was the court panel like? I mean, the players. You know, how well were they doing, for example? Well, they had never won any championship or league until then, so. There were two distinct groups in the in the in the panel. There were older girls who had a huge interest in the game, but had never had any success. And then you had a lot of young ones of 17 who had lots of success. So quite often it's hard to gel two groups like that, you know. But we were lucky. The the older ones appreciate what I was trying to do with them but as well as that then they nurtured and groomed the younger ones thereby ensuring that none of the younger ones brought any notion that they were superstars with them on the other hand the young ones were very level headed and looked up to these older players and the two crowds gelled and 
it's been very easy to coach them and 10 years later now the same thing seems to be happening again the young ones are now the old ones and there are young ones with medals coming through who are looking up to the older ones you know because like there seems to be a perception abroad that you need to win an awful lot on the race sometimes it can be a drawback I mean last Sunday was Kerry six minor in 50 something years it was the 21st senior in 50 something years so there isn't a direct correlation between minor success and senior success people run it out as if it were a, a truth but it's not really so I think we were I was lucky that the players ahead were very, very mature both the older and the younger and they gelled that younger group must have had the likes of Rena Buckley and Breeze Corkery in it and as you say they were grounded then they're still grounded they're still special players yeah but I think that maybe it's forgotten that probably the reason they remain so grounded is that they join people who had never won anything and who were really appreciative and winning the first league like you know it was like as if they had died and gone to heaven you know so I think that helped the younger players in a sort of a roundabout way to remain grounded in other words as the successes came I can't remember any player that became even 1% obnoxious you know they remained the same humble compliant willing almost obedient players that they still are you know so who were some of those players we should maybe mention them the older players from back then who would have influenced the likes of Breach yeah the older players they would have been Elaine Hart Deirdre O'Reilly who's still there Valerie who's still there Julius Sinead O'Reilly people like that like you know they had a huge influence that maybe they've not, I think that that was the biggest influence they have everyone would remember them as great footballers but I think they'd did almost a parental effect on the younger players in the nicest possible way like you know on another subject I wonder what you think about the systems the Jim McGuinness system the All-Ireland men's final the way things gone do you ever see something like that coming in I'm, I'm sure it's into an extent in ladies football do you see any danger of it coming in more in the game changing I, mean, I wouldn't see that as a danger like, I mean you know every, everything evolves like cars if you saw some of the cars we had when I was a young fellow, like you know you'd be appalled you know um no, I wouldn't worry about systems. I mean, a lot of people were decrying last Sunday's game. I thought the first half was mediocre. But yeah, I played enough. Not Ireland finding it was pretty mediocre, like, you know. Uh, the second half, I thought was quite good. I thought it was quite intriguing, actually. The battle of, you know, of systems. Now, I wouldn't be a big man for systems. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's just an evolution of the game. It, that'll change again in a few years' time. You know, Dublin tried to change it. This year we probably went maybe too far with uh, attacking, with their attacking system, you know. And in ladies football, we've Cork and Dublin, and going by the league final, it'll be all-out attack. Um, obviously, a lot of good defending as well, but two teams who, who like to open up and play football. God will, yeah, and it'll be very tight. I mean, we met twice in the league. One was a draw, and uh, I think we won the other game by a point or something, so it'll be very close, you know. And again, it's... It's very hard to predict, you know. A lot of things happen on the day, like... I mean, even... you could, I'm sure Donegal can see if two or three different things that happened last Sunday, they may have one. Likewise, if John, John O'Dwyer's pint had been even six inches more to the left 
tip would have won like you know it's all that's probably the allure of sport the, the total unpredictability like you know what is consistent this year is though that Cork have won this year you've won the league you've won Munster whereas last year you had a few problems and you'd lost a few games you were going into it differently is it better to go in this year or does it not matter I don't know we we, we, we won the league last year and we won the All-Ireland but everybody seems to have fun that we lost to Munster like you know like we well, lost you, to Kerry twice and Juliet was out of the panel and came back and yeah. so on whereas this year it seems to be a lot smoother yeah but I mean every I mean over 10 or 11 years you're bound to lose a few matches like you know or maybe a lot of matches so I didn't see any great significance in that like you know and uh, I don't see any great significance in the way we're going this year like we'd approach every game trying, trying to play as well as we can and if that gives us a win so be it like and if it doesn't you know, life goes on, the sun still shines them on the after, like, you know. That brings us back full circle. You're grounded as well. Ah, well, I mean, I'm involved now with nearly 60 years, and I mean, I have way more defeats to my credit than wins, like, you know. So, I mean, I don't, I genuinely don't, I'm not in it for the winning and losing. I love the winning, obviously. I just love hurling and football, like, you know, I don't play golf, I'm a pretty boring person. I'd read a good bit and, you know, that's my hobby, like, you know. So I wouldn't be consumed by the winning and losing. While I would love to win, I'd be hypocrite if I said I didn't. But I mean, I've had way more defeats, like, you know. Had some great days with Skinner Skull teams, with hurling teams, but I've had a load of defeats where I was probably to blame for a lot of them, you know. So I just love being out here, like, you know. That sounds pretty pathetic, but that's the truth, like, you know. And I think there are lots of people like that, but maybe they mightn't admit it as much, like, you know, that you just love being involved, like, you know, whether it's under 10 or whether it's senior level, like, you know. That was the legend Damon Ryan chatting to Jerome Quinn in 2014 after many years of success with the ladies Cork football team. I think the line that stands out for me the most there is just that he said I just love being out there and he said it sounds pathetic but it just really shows he's infectious the infectious love he had for the game. I did want to play that interview just to give you an insight into the kind of man that Eamon was, which was a gent. Now, I would like to speak to some of the people that did witness Eamon's greatest um, greatness firsthand and who really got to know him. So joining me on the Big Red Bench is former Cork footballer Valerie Mulcahy. Valerie, it was terribly sad to receive the news that Eamon had passed away on Thursday. Yeah, it was hugely um, upsetting and, and saddened to, to learn of the news of Eamon's passing. We knew that he wasn't well with the while and um, while we were kind of anticipating it, it's hard to avoid that shock all the same. So, yeah, heartbroken, really. Um, but just, I suppose, very grateful to have all the memories and the, the fond times that we did share together to look back on. Yeah, and plenty of people are paying tribute to him online, on paper, on everywhere today. But the one word that probably sticks out for me the most that a lot of people are calling him is a gentleman. Yeah, that's that's definitely been to the fore, you know. Um, he's... He was really was a gentleman, like in charge of ladies football, um, which is fitting. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe him in like a man of great character and integrity and a humble guy, a guy who was always looking to learn, uh, very generous with his time and energy towards us as people off the pitch as well as on the pitch and a guy with huge respect for us. And uh, I really love him, a guy who had great wit and, and character, as I said, and, um, you know, great IQ and, and emotional intelligence as well to be able to deal with all of us. 
I know I can't imagine what I was like spending all that time with all those women but Valerie you did spend a lot of time with him many a year with him and you probably I did read that you considered him like a grandfather yeah certainly and like you know he would help me with uh, on-field stuff like the free taking and that probably um, was saying in a nice way that I needed to do a bit of work when he was like come on there now we'll I'll meet you whenever you want if we, we can do a bit of kicking and I went down to Ballangary I remember once and Sure. After that, then I was taking the footballs myself, and I took the took the lead from him. But uh, you know, off the pitch, things with the Irish and reading, uh, sorry, uh, being ready for interviews and that he was helping me, could help me with that because, um, you know, he was a goal goer and loved it and and liked liked enjoyed you know um, the Irish and helping out and developing the language for people. But um, yeah, I, I kind of a father figure, a grandfather figure, and I often joked to him about that and. Um, you know, the age gap, but like a man who was really able to relate to us. And even though there was that age gap, it didn't really feel like it. He was, um, he was very uh, in tune with things and uh, well-informed. How did he gain that much respect for you? I mean, what did he come in and do when he first joined you, Valerie? I think he showed respect. I think he was a man of ambition. He was kind of pointed out that we wanted to win All-Ireland and we I thought he might have been daft considering we had won none. He was just very approachable, easy going, and well able to speak, I think. And I think his credentials spoke for themselves as well. I think he just won um, a Monster Coaching Award, you know. So, uh, and we were, like, we knew he, he had played for Cork himself. He'd managed the minor team for four years, and he was after managing the senior team as well. So, you know, that was huge for us. Um, we were damn glad to have him. And, uh, it was just, it was just a wonderful kind of uh, start to a great journey that we managed to maintain and keep him on board for twelve years, which is phenomenal. And I think, you know, it shows how much he enjoyed it as much as we did. So thankfully, he stuck with us. Yeah, no. And when he came back on the scene in two thousand and four, I think he did probably change Cork football like for the better. Yeah, I mean, like as I said, we hadn't won a match before two thousand and four, and and for us to reach an All Ireland quarter final and before that get to league final, only to be lost, only to lose to Mayo on, on the two occasions, who were like a Mayo or the linchpin. So we kind of knew, Jesus, we're actually quite close here. Um, and with more work then and year on year we, we had to up the game but we enjoyed that too and, and that was a challenge and I think Gaiman was well able to motivate us and um, keep us going you know so for a team who probably would have won All-Ireland uh, I don't think anyone could have envisaged the, the amount that we did win but I think that was definitely down to Eamon's psychology and, and motivation abilities. And a lot of people talks about his maybe pre-match and half-time chats and how he motivated you. And yeah, I mean, he was a great man to tell a story or to to deliver a message within uh, someone else's message or story. You know, so he was never lecturing or pontificating. It was very much um, a, a thought-provoking piece or um, a well-prepared or rehearsed piece to ensure and inspire us. So yeah, I mean, that was always something we nearly looked forward to. I read your piece in the Irish Examiner this morning. It was such a lovely tribute from yourself, Valerie, but I read that he never dropped anyone off the panel and that is crazy to me. Like I, when I read that, well, I was like, what? Yeah, I think that, that just shows his empathy and, and sympathy for players and how he's able to relate to people. And I guess he might have been in that position himself and never wanted any of us to experience it. So I think that was something that, you know, just showcased what a gentleman he was and how we didn't want to upset anyone and... You know, he allowed players to figure that out for themselves if they weren't getting their game or if they, 
you know, he, he appreciated, I think, everyone's contribution. So he didn't want to, to uh, unincentivize people or, or, you know, cut them out. So I think uh, he allowed people to leave it up to themselves, which was a nice and honorable thing to do. It really is. And for the players themselves as well, not to have that feeling of being dropped off a panel. But Valerie, have you an early memory of Eamon? Have you an, a one that sticks out in your head for you? I think it was probably the quote I referred to it in that piece in the examiner. It was like uh, one of our early sessions and I'd been playing half hour at the time and and he, he passed that. Uh, like I passed the ball on but didn't follow. And, and with Eamon, like we learned that he loved the give and go. It was kind of the staple of our, our diet really. But he um, just approached me after and, uh, you know, kind of quizzed me on it just to see my thinking and was there a rationale for it. And when I gave him saying that, look, I... I thought it'd be better to give that space to the corner forward so they could, you know, do a one v one and not to to create traffic. He um he was willing to, to take that and, and you know it was um it was nice that he, he didn't presume anything and was asking and querying things rather than, you know, giving out a presumptuous so but uh no I think like something that I did an article there recently um for a book at the end of the day on retiring and that and I was surprised when I opened it I didn't realise at the start of everyone's uh, piece there was a quote on it and he's referred to me as something like um, an unflappable temperament and you know ever reliable or you know something like that which is lovely to read wow. and, and I always appreciate it and, and even after all Ireland's you know I'd get the text a few days later when he probably watched the match a few times and you know, counted on a shot or a pass or a score. So I always appreciated those um, moments and those uh, pieces of praise that were probably, you know, uh, rare. <laughs> but uh, no, it was lovely. I had a great relationship with them. No, and you can clearly tell you had as well. And for you to open that and for you to have that quote forever must be lovely as well, Valerie, you know, because not many people can say that they have something written about them somewhere nice from someone they really admired because you can tell you really admire him. But he did so much for the women's game in itself. You know, when you think back, and I also read um, Larry Ryan also said today that there would have been no need for like campaigns such like 20 by 20 if everyone thought like Eamon Ryan. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he respected us as athletes first and foremost, and and you know alluded to me as one of the greatest footballers with the likes of Gooch and Morris Fitz and Conor Callan, Dermot Connolly, and like he he never suggested that our gender made us any lesser as a per, as a player, and you know he was adamant that the women could have done more to support women. Really, I think that was one of his big gripes, um, and you know it was a bit. Uh, disappointed at times when there wasn't huge crowds of games but you know I think we definitely impacted things and certainly in 2014 we we couldn't go unnoticed in our in our famous victory against Dublin because of that comeback so I really enjoy that match because um, and I smile often when we refer to it but we got to show our true character that day and you know we were in the trenches and and faced with um, the fact that we were we're you know going to lose I think we, we really got to show our character and, and um, it was lovely because during that match you know we went from being favourites to looking like we were going to get annihilated to, to surprising everyone and coming back so I think that was was lovely and it was like an underdog feeling you know because for many years I think we were probably just relieved to, to be winning because it was expected of us and then for that day to happen it was like a roller coaster of emotions but it was it was very um very sweet victory
No, of and, and he smiled and you could see that in him when he's on the sideline after he was ecstatic and we all were and we really uh, enjoyed that one and cherished that, that victory. Well, it's great that you have those memories. Have a few of you maybe been able to in contact over the last 24 hours about reminiscing and times with him or have you had the chance yet? Yeah, yeah, we did. And I just sent on the article to the girls this morning with a little group going and um, yeah, we're all sharing things and yeah, it's sad, but I think we're all very, very appreciative of our time with them and, and all the memories that we do have. And um, yeah, just, you know, you know, even Mary White's book, Relentless, was is lovely because you can just flip open a page and, and read something in and say it or something that'll, that'll bring back more memories. So um grateful for that too. But look, I just want to wish our deep sympathies, um, my sympathies and, and my family's to his family and his wife, Pat, who... Uh, was so generous with their time and, and definitely embarked on that great journey that we had, um, you know, with us and were very supportive of Eamon and his endeavours and, you know, allowed him to have that time with us. So yeah, we're very appreciative and uh, our, our deepest condolences to all of them and, and to Don Ryan, who would have been involved with us for many years and to his, that was his son, one of his sons and dad's another son was part, you know, always keeping a close eye and probably informing Eamon and to Eamon's brother as well, Jim Ryan, who would have um, been our biggest fan as well. So, you know, a, a real family affair and, and this shows just the tight community that is there among all of us really in, in the LJV in Cork and, and even all the people who play tribute, you know, to him around the country and many of my competitors and mm. you know I'd be from Galway Armagh Tyrone Mayo Kerry you know offering their sympathies and I think they were all impacted by him as well You did last speak to him before the summer Valerie did you get a last chance to speak to him maybe in August? Yeah and I, um, I had been texting since but I knew his voice was weak and that from from Jim's chatting to me and telling me that he was quite weak and that's why I didn't want to be you know demanding of him so I um I would text him again or send an article or or that. But yeah, I had a lovely conversation with him in August when I was in the in the car park in the AG school that he would have visited many a day with the, the cup when we brought it back. We, every year we managed to get him and a few to bring back the cup and, and uh, introduce it to the group, to the staff and to the to the school cohort. So um, yeah, we had a lovely chat. It was it was reflecting and we were very philosophical and he was just talking about resilience and, you know, we kind of both knew that we, we had had a great journey and that he was very reflective and I suppose aware of his, the severity of his illness and, you know, I think he was appreciative of, of all our times and looking back and, and that's what you have excuse me in sport you know you've got the memories and the friendships and that's what lives long after yeah how will you how will you remember him will you remember him from all the wins will you remember from all the happy times yeah all the happy times the sing songs that he enjoyed the 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 witty comments he'd have or getting into the bus and him greeting everyone and sitting up at the front and putting up with us and our singing or or watching stupid movies but um, probably weren't appropriate but um (laughs) Yeah, like his team talks as well and just everything really. Yeah, it's probably not going to be an easy time for you either, Valerie, because you probably won't be able to give him the send-off he deserves during COVID-19. Yeah, that's very, that's just very sad with anyone who dies and passes away, you know, that people can't um, show their, their fondness for someone and towards family. But I think a lot of us might have to, to um, go slightly beyond the 5K to 
to maybe show up in Watergate Sale on, on the side of her road and, and social distance. But, um, you know, I think uh, uh, the family know that we're very much in their thoughts and uh, they're very much in our thoughts even. Valerie, thank you so much for joining me in the Bigger Bench. I know it's not easy for you, but my deepest sympathy is to yourself and the team and his family and friends, of course. But thank you for joining me. Thanks, Valerie. Thank you. Former Cork ladies footballer Valerie Mulcahy sharing some of her fond memories of Eamon Ryan. And now, there's so many interviews that have surfaced over the last few days of Eamon, but Jerome Quinn, who is a journalist, has been putting loads up. And this is one that I actually really liked. So this is Eamon speaking to Jerome Quinn after a 2015 league final replay win over Galway. It's been an incredible journey. That's now 10 years since you won your first league back in 05 and Juliet lifted the cup. And that's 8 and 10 years. It's, it's been an incredible time. I think it's nine, actually. Apologies. <laughs> I think. <laughs> You're right. I don't know. Somebody said that afterwards that it's nine, you know. So, ah, it's great. Like, you know. But, like, I suppose it's like everybody says the next one is the best one like you know so you're never kind of happy you know and was it maybe the fear that you might lose this one you know over the two games or was it that fear that drove you on oh yeah I would have been petrified last week and this week I mean I would have been begging hours today uh, you know you're always afraid that you've gone a step too far and that you've stayed on too long now I, I don't mind staying on because I got the road before so it will come it will come but um, yeah you'd, I think you're not nervous you won't perform or your players won't perform. I think it's, it's part of the thing. Like At this level, the enjoyment is when it's over, you know. There's actually no great enjoyment before or during. No, still you wouldn't, you wouldn't like not to be there. But there isn't enjoyment or fun as such. That's, that's when it's over. Now, I stress you, you still want to be there, like, you know, and go through the agony, but it's when it's over, the, the, the fun and enjoyment, as I know, whether that makes sense or not. And it's very, it's very transitory, it's gone and it's gone to a quarter of an hour, like, you know, it's, it's not like money in the bank, you can't go back to it, like, it's gone, it's gone in the ether now, like, you know, it's very hard to explain it. Oh, you've explained it well. I understand. I mean, it's 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 like the, as you say, the last one is the most important. It was winning this one. You had to win this one today. Yeah, and then it's the next one. Like you know, it's it's just never ending. Like you know, but I think that probably keeps you going too. I hope it keeps you young. That's the same really. Eamon Ryan chatting to Jerome Quinn in 2015 after a league final win. That was his last year in charge. Now, do stay with us. There's plenty of more tributes to come on the Big Red Bench and we will remember Eamon Ryan and they'll be coming up shortly. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until 7pm. The tributes do continue for Eamon Ryan, who did sadly pass away on Thursday. But now we have current Cork footballer. She is Dr. Orla Farmer, joins us to remember Eamon. Orla, you shared something online that did catch my eye the other day. And when you shared your tribute to your social media channels, you said, a good coach can change a game, but a great coach can change a life. Uh, Absolutely, Valerie. And I suppose really, you know, first and foremost, it was a very sad day yesterday. And, you know, I think really when you look at all the tributes, even online, um, like that just goes to show what kind of a man Eamon was, um, you know, and deepest sympathies. Um, and condolences to his his family and his wife and you know all that all that knew him and and that loved Damon as well. Um, I suppose that quote really um, resonated with me. Um, luckily enough, I, I I had I had the time and I, I got to play with him um, and be coached under him. You know, for from 2010 to 
2015. So um, I'm very grateful and I, I will cherish all those memories with Amen. But I think one thing that really stood out was, you know, particularly that quote was just the, the kind of character Eamon was. Um, for me personally, he, he was more than just a coach. You know, he, he was a friend and he was a mentor. Um, and I think a lot of people can, can resonate with that too. Um, you know, not only did he, what he'd done for the game and, and ladies football and, and sport in general, but I don't think he realised the positive impact that he had on, on, on every player, everyone, young and old. Um, and, and, and that's the kind of man he was. Um, so like, really, I, I'm just so, I'm so saddened. Um, and I think I even spent the day yesterday just looking through old memories and photographs and, you know, some interviews and clips of Eamon and, you know, even just speaking to some of the girls as well. It, it just brought back some really, really positive memories that we will really cherish. I think really, like, when, when I think of, of my days playing under Eamon, like, it, it's all positive. Um, and I know we've had the success, but I, I think I've just learned so much from him um, and, and, you know, what he brought to, to ladies football and what he, what he brought to us as people. Um, I just think, like, even his, his humility was just so um, admirable. Um, and he, 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 he always hated the attention, you know, he always hated the, the interviews and the news and it, it was all about us, um, all about the players and all about making us feel good um, and allowing us to kind of flourish and creating that environment in training um, and on game day that, you know, he, he, had so, he instilled such belief in us um, and I suppose we had so much respect for him that we, we almost wanted to do it for him, but for each other, because he kind of instilled that sense of belonging and that sense of respect and belief. Um, and I think that's why we were so successful, um, because we looked up to him as a manager, as a coach, almost like a father figure um, as well, that, you know, that, that kind of respect was there. Um, and we wanted to do it for Eamon. It is a sad time, but I think it's nice that we are paying tribute to Eamon tonight on the big red bench. But there's a lot of sadness around Orla. You know, it's not just Cork that are in mourning. People from all over the country sharing beautiful, beautiful tributes about Eamon. And oh, absolutely. I mean, he's left such a legacy behind him. He is one of the greatest of, of all time. Um, and like, he, I know he would hate to hear that because of his humility and because, you know, he's such a humble man. And, and I suppose, like, I think what we can all learn from him is like, even hit the simplicity he brought to the game. And it, like, to be honest, it was his sheer joy of the game. It was just so infectious. You know, like, even just listen to interviews yesterday and he was going to say, I just love being here and I just love being involved. And he always used to tell us, you know, he always used to bring us back and ground us and say, you know, well, you're playing because you love playing and, you know, it's not a sacrifice that you're, you're here, you're training out on the farm of a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in the rain because you want to be here and you enjoy it. And I think that really, like, that's a message for everyone, you know, young or old. Um, playing or retired that you know if that if we can instill that message from Eamon that it is about the sheer joy of playing and um, that that comes first you know and I think that really just resonated with me um, one other thing as well Valerie I think um, just personally for me um, like you know that quote that I put up about you know a good coach can change a game but a great coach can, can change a life and I think he, he had such an influential positive impact on, on my life not only on the pitch but off the pitch 
Um, I suppose at the time when I when I was playing under him, um, I was kind of you know when I was finished my leaving cert and things, and he he kind of really steered my career in the sense that like the, the path I went down, he always encouraged me to to get the best out of myself off the pitch and all the other girls as well. And I think that's another you know that needs to be noted like of the, the kind of man he was and the character he was that he pushed us all to like he saw us as people and he respected us as people first. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget the time when I when I went into UCC and um, I decided to do PE in Irish and you know Eamon is a Gael Gore and you know there, there was many times when he said Farmer I want you now to go up to the top of the bus sir we'll meet you now for coffee uh, and we'll have a chat uh, and he, he wanted to help me you know I wasn't the one asking him or oh, Eamon <laughs> help me with my Irish it was he was going, going that extra mile to help his players because he genuinely cared he cared about what we did outside of football as well um, and I think having that empathy and that sympathy then as well you know allowed us to, to flourish not only on the pitch but off the pitch and it created that culture then as well um, and thankfully we had that that winning success under him. But isn't it lovely to have had someone like Eamon Orla I mean to be that influential to you on the field and off the field and with your work and Oh absolutely yeah I think it's just Again, even just upon reflection, like just he he just was a good man. Like he he, he was kind-hearted man, um, and I think the fact that he he wanted to stay out of the limelight, and you know he wasn't egotistical. He just wanted what was best for his players, and you know even there, like thinking he never took anything for granted. Like even at a training session, I remember you know training away in the farm and and the Maradike, and like nearly I'd say once a week at training he'd pull us in uh, into a huddle and he'd whip out um, a, a newspaper clipping and I mean it mightn't have anything to do with football specifically with football but it would be a message you know it could be about life it could be about hard work it could be about motivation it could be about your mind and the power of your mind but you know he, he used to just whip out the, pa- the newspaper clipping he'd bring us all in for a minute or two in the middle of a session we could be in the middle of an AVB game or something and he'd say, right, come in, in, come in now and I want to share something with you. Um, so he really did kind of go above and beyond to, to really like help us flourish as players. Um, and I, I think that really like just shows his true character and I think we can all learn from him and you know, he wanted what was best. And he always said, you know, it doesn't matter if you're training on a Sunday morning or if you're going out under the tunnel in Crow Park that, you know, you should appreciate every match. Um, and he, he actually used to count the training sessions as well. He, he'd have his reflective diary and he used to write his sessions, like handwrite now his sessions every every week on, on his diary. And he'd even whip the diary out of training and everything. And he'd say, right, we have X amount of training sessions done now. We have X amount to go. And he'd really bring us back to earth and kind of say like, you know, make the most of this training. You're, you're never going to have this training session again. He, you're never going to play this match again. You know, even at half time, the first half is, is, is done. You know, you're never going to play that again. But what can you do now? And, and he always pushed us to kind of get that extra mile out of us upstairs. He said, well, you could have all the skill in the world. But he said, there's always that extra bit upstairs in your mind. And, you know, it's all about getting out of that comfort zone and pushing yourself. Um, and I think that's why we were so successful um, over the over the over the years, he was involved as well. What is your earliest memory of him, Orla? So I came onto the panel in um, in two thousand and ten, 
Um, so I was in fifth year in school and uh, I was actually playing minor with Cork as well at the time. And I got called up to the, the senior panel and sure I was only delighted, you know, being a young one and playing with my heroes, the likes of Valerie Mulcahy and, and Juliet Murphy and, you know, Breach Cork, Irina Buckley. And to be honest, like, I, I, it was so positive. Like anytime I, I look back of when I actually came onto the panel the first year or two, um, Eamon, like he, he was so welcoming. And he, again, it's that sense of belonging he created. Didn't matter if you were on the panel, you know, 10 years, 12 years, if you were on the panel a few months, that he kind of treated everyone with the, the same respect. And he, he kept his values and he, he kind of led by example and he treated everyone with respect. And I think that's like something that's very admirable. Um, and that sense of, of belonging and that sense of togetherness. Um, and just very encouraging, you know, he'd pull you there before training or he might pull you after training and, and he'd, he'd give you some, some, some feedback. Uh, and and he, he was big for that. that he, he, he just genuinely cared and he wanted to know what was going on with college and what was going on outside of the pitch as well. But to me, I think it was that culture that he created, um, particularly for the young ones coming up. Um, and I, I think he almost you know, had that effect on the older ones were almost kind of like parent figures to us as well. You know, the likes of Juliette Murphy and Elaine Hart and Mary O'Connor as well um, back in 2010 that he instilled that in those girls and then those girls, the older girls were able to, you know, lead by example and, and follow on in Eamon's footsteps and, and help with the, with the younger girls coming up and help them flourish and, and give them that boost and give them that confidence. So I think to his credit, you know, he... He understood. He, he he was always almost like a man ahead of his time, really, I think, when, when I think back that, you know, he he was a very wise man and he, he kind of he did it by by implementing it. He he you know, he, he wasn't just saying X, Y, and Z, he actually led by example um, and he pushed he put his wise words into action. Um and I think that in itself, you know, encapsulates a successful manager but a but more you know a humble and respected man but Orla is there anything for you that will stand out about being around Eamon is there anything that he's ever said to you or is there something that you'll always remember Eamon for and what is it um I, I think really for me it was um it was kind of nearly off the pitch like it was with, with my career and you know I I think I just couldn't believe how much he actually genuinely cares um, and I think that that really stood to me. And I think just he was so influential with my football and progressing with Cork, but also with my career in, you know, promoting women in sport. And I suppose he, he was my lecturer in, in college as well. So I kind of had him as like my, my coach and a lecturer in college. But I think really what's standing out for me and kind of what I have taken, you know, from him and learned from him, that sheer joy. He just loved being involved and he just loved playing. And he was really about kind of in the moment know like enjoying football in the moment and just kind of allowing us to be expressive and allowing us to make mistakes and allowing us just to explore our own decision making so if anything Valerie I think that sheer love and that sheer enjoyment of playing um, is something that I will treasure and you know I did treasure but it's something that I will bring on in my career but also you know my playing career my 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 coaching career uh, and giving back to to youth that you know if, if we can just remember that 
we're playing because we want to play and we, we love playing football and we love playing sport. His list of achievements, I mean, Orla, not just with Cork Ladies football, but there's an, a list there that I mentioned at the start of the show and like he's one of the most successful managers and he's rarely spoken about and it's lovely to be able to do it now, but pity we didn't do it sooner, you know, and pity did we, we didn't talk about what he did for women's football, what he did for the Ladies Football Association, how he brought Cork on as a county, but what he did, he saw he as equal to the main it was just amazing how he was there with the equality he believed you were just as good and he would compare you to you know great players and great profile players as well Orla oh yeah to be honest he really transformed the landscape I think of of women in sport Um, I suppose back then like we social media and things wouldn't have been as you know in the forefront again you mentioned it it's the belief He, he had that belief in us and he pushed us um, and he led he led by example and I think that's key that he he really like just believed in everything and it was it was always positive I, I can I, when I think back, I always think of like positivity and calmness and you know he was just calm and collected and just wanted the best for us um, and I think yeah I mean he's really transformed just how like ladies football I mean the last 10-20 years you know you know yourself Valerie that the sport has grown significantly and um, interest and you know attendance at games and everything um but i think i think Eamon was never really fussed about people coming to the games or like the media um and i i remember him he always used to say you know for, for the media and um, media days he always used to say oh no but say nothing kind of <laughs> so um, he really he really just focused on internally on us you know everything going on externally with media with press but kind of like really engulfed himself in and in, in us and in in the setup and he created that culture that kind of successful culture and that kind of respected culture um and i think sometimes it has to come from within the camp you know the so many people can talk x y and z about about the team but you, you'd even notice that in, in some of his interviews as well when people are commending him saying geez you know you've won now 10 out of 11 all irelands and this and that and he's kind of saying Oh, well, sure, look, I, we're just doing it now because we love it and, and this and that. He never kind of takes the credit for it. Um, so I think, yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm just so grateful and I'm so privileged to have known him and to have learned from him and have shared such positive memories, you know, successful ones too. But um, I was also there in 2010 when Cork lost. Um, they were going for six in a row and they lost the quarterfinal. Um, I'll never forget how Eamon reacted after the game you know he brought everyone in and god the atmosphere in the dressing room I didn't know where to look I didn't know what to say I was just shell-shocked because you know it was just the silence in in that dressing room in 2010 when we lost but it was just how Eamon you know brought us back together and how he again that sense of, of, of togetherness and, and belonging and he he lifted our spirits and he, he was the true leader like and he he set that example and we all looked up to him and he brought that team together uh, and then the next year went on to win six successful um, or five, sorry, successful All Irelands in, in a row under him. So you know, it just goes to show the the kind of character he was, and the, the way I, I always say, he's one man for one man. <laughs> and that's a lovely way to remember him, Orla. And I think over the next probably few days, you and the girls will probably be reminiscing and having a chat in groups about your probably all about him, and which is nice too. And I, ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was even on to some of the girls yesterday as well, and you know, it's it, it really just has shell-shocked everyone and um, I think everyone is feeling the same it's it's like this void kind of you know you're, you're feeling that like a big part of you is, is missing although it's all positive memories we've had with him it's like this kind of void that's in you and 
you know, you, you really kind of just appreciate that, it, you know, it's like the saying, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. As cliche as it sounds, it is like that yesterday, particularly when the news came out. And I, I would hope that he gets, you know, the sending off that he deserves as well. I know, given the circumstances with everything going on. Um, but I know that everyone is, is praying for him and his family and, and thinking of him as well. And I'm sure when things get back to some sort of normality that we will we will we will all meet, um, particularly the older girls that you know have moved on now as well. That we will all come together and we will share our memories and we will share good times that, that we've had with a man that has made such a positive in, um, impact on, on on all of us. Um, and I think you know he, he has helped us grow into into you know good people as well. And he he has instilled those values in us, um, which we will hope to pass on as well to the youth. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, you, you you can get so emotional thinking about him and thinking about all the memories. But um, yeah, look, I mean, our, my thoughts and, and prayers are with him, him and his family. And um, and I, I really do hope that he gets the sending off that he deserves as well. Um, a true leader, <laughs> a true leader and, and a gentleman. Uh, yeah, a real, real gentleman. Um, and I mean that, like, and I think everybody can resonate with you know, he just a pure gent, a pure gent. That was Orla Farmer telling us some beautiful stories and what a lovely way for us to witness firsthand what kind of a special person and man that Eamon Ryan really was to a lot, a lot of people. But now joining us on the Big Red Bench is Ger McCarthy, our Ladies Football Podcast host to remember Eamon. Ger, how would you describe Eamon? I suppose the first, the, the word I'd use, Valerie, is warm. He was incredibly, he had a lovely personality, lovely way about him. Um, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of that from your interviews with all the players that you've done over the, last, over the last while as well. It was that, first and foremost, he was a terrific coach. But away from the coaching, um, he, he had this innate ability to make time for you and to listen to you. And uh, reading all the articles that have come out over the last couple of days and, and just listening to the interviews and I'm sure the interviews that you, you've put together as well would be poignancy. There's a lot of sadness with somebody that, that's left us. But the mark he left on his players uh, as, as, as people, as uh, the friendships and the bond that he built up with that Cork team, all that success that they had away from the pitch, it's the kind of things that, that people don't know about that Eamon used to do on behalf of his players. Um, that's what sets him apart and that's why there's been such an outpouring of grief because everybody saw him on the sideline, everybody witnessed the success that Cork uh, had under his under his tenure. But the bond that he made with the likes of Valerie Mulcahy, with the likes of Breed Stack, with the likes of Rena Buckley, all these players, that's something extra special. And what it says is that the man uh, and the person was just as important as the manager. And I think without that, without that link and without that trust and without that bond that he had with his players, maybe a team like that, as talented as they were, who knows, would they have been as successful over the period that they were? But sadness uh, at his passing, but a lovely warmth and a lovely honesty and a, a lovely way with words. He might only use a couple of words, but you uh, you got the message in the media, you got the message if you spoke to him. But uh, just incredibly sad to see to, to hear that he's gone. When we have heard interviews over the last few days of, you know, he seems very humble. You know, if you were to give him a compliment after a match, sure, he wasn't really taking it. He'd kind of pawn it off and, you know, move on. He didn't really like the limelight. No, he didn't. And he never he never looked for it. That's a very good point. And it, it's one of the things, when you look at the success that that Cork team had over the two periods in which he was in, which he was in charge, um, 
it would have been very easy for a manager to make you know a name for themselves to move mm. on and to do different things or to leave it behind but he took and I think Valerie Mulcahy said this he took on the Cork ladies job at a time his CV was excellent mm. very few managers with that type of CV were involved in ladies football at the time and I've written something for next week's Echo and in it I talk about you know away from the football like you've said he has left an indelible mark on ladies sport because he raised the profile of it in conjunction with the players at a time ladies football and camogie to be fair to wasn't getting the attention it deserved it was getting the column inches but in the mainstream media it didn't and I think it took that Cork team winning the RT sports team of the year award back in 2014 or 2015 I think it was because that was a national vote with everyone around the country voted for them ahead of the Irish rugby team ahead of and the Cork camogie team were in there that time too to be fair to them that was a big moment but you'd never have known it with Eamon you know, you'd win in All-Ireland and he'd bring you straight back down to earth. Cork might have a big win and all the players would tell you, training session, nothing changed. You know, you were back down to earth. And you look at the successful managers over the years, even the ones that you've interviewed yourself, Valerie, John Coyley's, like even in soccer, the Alex Ferguson's, they only ever said two words to their players when they did well and that was well done. That's about as much as you needed mm-hmm. to tell the players because it wasn't about one final, it was about a legacy and it was about making something important and leaving your mark. And my God, look at the mark that he's left. All the trophies, all the successes that that Cork team and he in charge of it won are not as important as what he did for ladies' sport and the respect that he gave it. And you very, very rarely saw Eamon angry. You very rarely heard an angry word out of him. But when you did, he was defending his players and he was saying something for the betterment of his players if he felt his players had been slighted. That was the first step, as I say in my column, to ladies football and ladies sport beginning to earn something that they didn't have which is respect and I I miss him more for that and I respect him more for that than any of the trophies that he won he set the standard from day one why shouldn't a ladies football team receive the same accolades as the men why shouldn't a camogie team with all the success that they had have the same rights as the men what's the difference it's the same sport and they deserve that equality and I think when history looks back on the history of sport in this country, it will reflect very favourably on Eamon Ryan and what he said and how he went about his business. No, and you're so right because, you know, if everyone thought like how Eamon Ryan did, women's sport probably would be in a better place. And he often said that, you know, women's sport needed more women supporting it. And maybe that's the truth of things, you know, because he was such a clever man. He was a genius in how he coached and how he mentored those players, both on and off the field. We've heard stories all evening of Orla Farmer told us that, you know, she he helped shape her career where she is now and what he helped, you know. It's just amazing to know that, like, he'd such an impact with these players off the pitch just as much as on it. Yeah, and... That's a very good point. And Oral is one example of the people that you've interviewed, not just this year, no, but all, all your time with Red FM, Valerie, as well. You've heard it. And even on the Camogie side, look at the respect that he has from across the country, mm. both in football and Cork City, putting out a tweet yesterday as well in recognition of the work that he had done. I, I last saw him, I spoke to him just before Christmas, and I was delighted that I, I just picked up the phone on a whim to talk to him because I hadn't heard from him in a while. And the first thing I said to him was, I'm not looking for an interview, Eamon. He wasn't <laughs> in the best of health at the time. But he wanted to talk and he wasn't, in, he wasn't able for a long conversation, but he still wanted to talk. But the, we spent an evening, I'd say it was two Christmases ago now, at a Donnie's, a West Cork Club Donnie's dinner dance down in Dunmanway. And I was delighted because he was sat next to me at my table. And naturally enough, we spoke about nothing else but ladies football the whole night. And yet, and yet, for about two, two and a half, maybe three hours, never once did he mention the trophies. Never once did he mention the All-Irelands. And he had a list of players 
not in his face, but in his head. And he said, okay, you've interviewed that so-and-so recently. How is she? What's she doing now? Is she working at the thing? Because the last time I spoke to her, Eamon's biggest strength was he was more interested in the person that put on the Cork jersey than what they did for Cork. The training was the training. He had his back, he had his team, he had his way of approach of doing it and success followed. But he had a band of warriors at that time that were willing to listen and were receptive to his ideas. Mm. But away from that, like you said, if he didn't have that warmth or genuine interest in people away from the pitch, I wonder would we have had the same success? I'm not doubting the talent of the players that delivered it, but you know what I mean. Like that, Motivation that behind us, yeah. Exactly. And the ease of the way he did it, it wasn't confrontational. It certainly wasn't, you know, pointing the finger. He'd say something to the likes of Valerie Mulcahy. Did you see so-and-so from the corner forward kicking the point the last day? And that would be a gentle reminder to her, you know, maybe you need to work on it. Yeah. And he had something for everyone. But I will miss, I will miss, you. in our line of work, we come across an awful lot of people who are under pressure. Managers, players, coaches, you know yourself, you know better than I do, in football and in camogie. But it is a rarity to meet someone each time you meet them that they leave you with something positive. And he did that. He just had a way and a natural way about him. The love that the players had for him was genuine because the love that he had for them away from the pitch was was exactly the same. And he understood that if you didn't get and understand the person that you were coaching or that you were involved with, you weren't going to get the best out of him. And I, I think the biggest respect as a coach I could give him was that he taught a lot of coaches a lesson about making time for the people you're working with and making them better, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. And I've, like yourself, I've heard loads of stories over the last couple of days of the things that he did for people away from the camera, away from the microphone. He was, he was a one-off mm. um, and he will be sorely, sorely missed. He will. Jerry, thank you so much for joining me on the bench and taking your time to, you know, you said such lovely words about Eamon this evening on the big red bench. And when is that column going to be out? Tell us a bit more about it. Um, I think it's either out um, Monday or uh, Wednesday of next week. But I'll, I'll, as you know, I'll be tweeting. I'll tweet it out, a link to it. But there's been some beautiful pieces written. And uh, I'm sure this what you've put together here for the big red bench is going to be just as fine and just as, uh, just as important. So thanks for doing that as well. Jerry McCarthy speaking to me about the late Eamon Ryan. And now I want to squeeze one last clip in of Eamon Ryan before we go. It's 2014 final victory after over the dubs. So let's take a listen to Eamon Ryan chatting to Jerome Quinn. Eamon, you've heard of a film called The Great Escape? <laughs> I have, and I mean, that was as near as you get to the football field. Of all your All-Irelands, is this the sweetest? Yeah, and a lot of things went wrong, you know, preparation beforehand, like, you know. So, yeah, it was great. I, I don't know, is it the sweetest? I find that hard to... I, I think being here is a privilege, like, to be to be in Croke Park at any age, but at my age, for not learning a final is brilliant. To win is just the icing on the cake. Even if you're beaten, it's still a great occasion, but obviously winning. But I wouldn't put it above any of the other wins, like, you know, but it was very tight. It was half-stopping <laughs> stuff, you know. It was very tight. It was more than very tight, Eamon. Jerome Quinn chatting to Eamon Ryan after 2014 All-Ireland win where Cork won over the dubs after all the years of success that they did have. Um, I just want to share that there's some lovely tributes online for Eamon Ryan and there is a, a book you can sign so I will share the link over at our 
on our Twitter handle at the Big Red Bench. If you want to share your sympathies to the family, you can do so since COVID-19 is happening and no one can attend the funeral. But there is a lovely tribute sign um, in Watergrass Hill and it does, it is really nice and it has Orla Farmer's quote. It says, a good coach can change a game but a great coach can change a life. And the sign is a beautiful picture of Eamon and it does say farewell to the master. So it's just a fitting, beautiful tribute and fair play to all in Watergrass Hill for that. But that is it for me tonight in the show. I hope I was able to share some beautiful memories of Eamon Ryan for you all listening tonight. My deepest, deepest condolences and sympathies go to his family and his friends, the LGFA and the GA community. He will be missed by all. I'd like to thank Valerie Mulcahy, Orla Farmer, Jerome Quinn and Jer McCarthy for joining me on the bench and sharing their raw emotional memories with me. It wasn't easy for you to do so, so thank you so much. Eamon Ryan was a man that will leave an amazing, lasting legacy on something he loved, loved dearly. We're listening, Slán. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.